0: I'm Carrie Fountain, and this is Just to Say, where we talk to poets about the poems they make and the poems they love. Poetry springs forth from authentic human
1: voice. Poetry is about anarchy. It's about mystery. It's about dreams. It's about, you know, the unknown. Writing is a way of saying that you and the world have a chance. My name is Ada Limon, and this poem is called The Raincoat. When the doctor suggested surgery and a brace for all my youngest years, my parents scrambled to take me to massage therapy, deep tissue work, osteopathy, and soon my crooked spine unspooled a bit. I could breathe again and move more in a body unclouded by pain. My mom would tell me to sing songs to her the whole 45-minute drive to Middle Two Rock Road and 45 minutes back from physical therapy. She'd say that even my voice sounded unfettered by my spine afterward. So I sang and sang because I thought she liked it. I never asked her what she gave up to drive me or how her day was before this chore. Today, at her age, I was driving myself home from yet another spine appointment, singing along to some maudlin but solid song on the radio, and I saw Mom take her raincoat off and give it to her young daughter when a storm took over the afternoon. My God, I thought, my whole life I've been under her raincoat, thinking it was somehow a marvel that I never got wet. Thank you so much for reading that poem.
0: You read it so beautifully. Um I'm just going to oh, ask thank if you. would t- talk a little bit about that poem.
1: Yeah, in the process of writing this poem um was an actual revelation of some sort which was I did have the moment where I was driving and saw that happen and I was coming back from my physical therapist and I was thinking about all the unsung work that goes in Being a mom, um, and how much effort that is, and how much work it is just to drive someone there and back. Um, and how my mom was so easy about it, she never seemed to care. Um, and I'm sure she did, (laughs) but uh, there was such a generosity in that, and that realization made me really want to write the poem. The poem really came about as a way of wanting to honor her and kind of a, as a way of saying, you know, I, I see you. I see what you did, and thank you. Do you remember like what it was like sharing this poem with your mom? I do. Um, there were two poems I sent her when I was putting the manuscript together, um, and one was The Raincoat, and one was the poem The Real Reason. Uh, which is also about her and an accident that she was in. And I was asking for permission to publish the two poems and also just wanted to share uh, with her. And she told me that my stepdad came in and my mom was just crying and couldn't really talk. And then just sort of scooted the computer over in his direction and made him read. And then they were both crying. But I think she really, she loves the poems and sees them hopefully for what they are, you know, an honoring and uh, a show of gratitude for all she's done.
0: So many of these poems in this book and in all your work, I think, are about honoring. There's just so Mm -hmm. much of that. And I wonder, uh, or just so much of that sense of, of, um, sort of honoring a moment in time or honoring the earth honoring sort of like lessons in in experience and i wonder how you <laughs> do it <laughs> no i can do it. i wonder like how do you write how do you keep a notebook like the 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 thing that you saw in this poem the image that you actually experienced in this poem did you go home and and say, I'm going to write a poem about that? Or did you jot that down and come back to it weeks later? Or did it just sort of linger in your memory? How do you work? How does it work for you?
1: Um, You know, it works differently for each poem. Um, I wish I could say I have one thing that happens. But it works, you know, really differently depending on the subject matter, depending on the form of the poem. Um, This particular poem, I had that memory. It came to me, and then maybe a few weeks later... Uh, I wrote it down, Um, and I actually wasn't sure if it was too sentimental, and at first I wasn't going to publish it, and I sent it to my friend Adam Clay, who's at the University of Southern Mississippi, and he immediately was like, this, you've got to, (laughs) yes, this poem, Um, and so uh, he was part of the process, because I feel like sometimes I'll write poems and really, you know i I try to be raw and vulnerable and not i'm I'm considering audience, but I'm also not considering audience because I want to free myself up enough to compose whatever I want to say and uh so sometimes I'm not really thinking about audience until I make maybe the third or fourth round of edits um, but i do keep I do keep a journal uh I take notes throughout the day if I don't have my journal on me um I'll take notes in my phone. Um, And then when I'm really sitting down to write, I'll pull those up. And usually I can immediately remember what it was that I wanted, that note is connoting and, you know, what it is I wanted to say. Um, There are times where I find a note and go, what did I mean by this? Or the note will be um, sort of haphazardly included in my grocery list. And it'll say something like patriarchy, almond milk, you know, that's such an interesting
0: thing. I just my ears always perk up in in recognition when um poets start talking about sentimentality as like a dangerous mm-hmm. territory in poems. Mm-hmm. And very often I think it's us women poets who mm-hmm. uh, who fear it. And mm-hmm. it's interesting to me to think about who defines sen- what is sentimental, you know? Mhm. And mm-hmm. Um, what do we, what does the culture mean when it's, when it uses that term,
1: you know, Mm -hmm. I'm just Mm -hmm. really
0: interested in that. I don't know if I have a question that comes out of that. Yeah,
1: I know. And I feel like that's something very true because, you know, we are so hesitant to, you know, we don't want to ever feel like we are emotion. We're using emotional currency to manipulate the audience, right? Um, and yet really when you're being truthful and even when you're just making an effort for clarity, towards clarity, poems tend to evoke emotional response. The best poems leave us sort of trembling and weeping, um, in my experience. But I feel like that's a, it is common that we're scared of it. Um, but it doesn't, that doesn't surprise me at all. I mean, I think we live in a culture which we're, we're scared of all emotions. Um, you know, we think we're comfortable with rage, right? But we're really only comfortable with one kind of rage and that's a, usually a masculine rage. Um, and female rage is something that we never consider and we certainly aren't comfortable with it as a culture. Um, so I think the fact that we're scared of sentimentality as poets, uh, is totally understandable. But I also think that it can be in some ways disheartening and limiting. And sometimes we need to step into that room and make ourselves fully known and fully seen without worrying about who's going to censor us or who's going to say, well, this is dealing with more, more of the heart than it is the head.
0: This is something that I think a lot of women encounter, especially when they're talking about or when they're um, exploring in poetry, pregnancy, motherhood, the body in that sense. And in this book, you, uh, you know, you touch on some pretty intimate Mm -hmm. details about, you know, coming to terms with a role in terms of uh, childbearing in your Mm -hmm. own experience and i wonder if you could speak a little bit about the book in general you know how uh, how did you approach that and were what were some of your um preoccupations as you headed into that territory
1: yeah i think that you know i mean certainly so many women have written about fertility infertility childbearing um uh, what it is to be a mother, what it is to be a non-mother. Uh, but I I had never written about it. <laughs> um, and so it was new for me to explore. And I was a little overwhelmed by the subject. And really how I began the book was just writing poems so that I could process what I was going through. Um, uh, for me, I one of the things that remained true and still remains true is that while I was going through fertility treatments, I couldn't believe that I knew so many people who had gone through it before and that they weren't always sort of holding my hand and saying, telling me how weird it was because it was super weird. (laughs) And, um, I, I'm still shocked that we don't talk about it all the time. Um, just even, you know, the idea that you're going into a room and someone's saying like, okay, now you're ready. Now this, you know, th- like everything is is very surreal. Not to mention when you're trying to get pregnant, how strange it is that you're living in a constant duality, which is, okay, um, I could interview for that job, but if I got it and then this time it took, I could be pregnant in six months is it fair to take a job and accept a job thinking that I might then have to be, go on mature? I mean, the, the fact that we women have to think about this constantly is just, all of it is completely bizarre. And I'm sort of drawn to that idea that the more honest and the more clear you can be with the actual truths of our lives, the more totally surreal it becomes. And it's like everything too. It is like mm-hmm. life.
0: It is yes. life. It is sometimes life and death. I, you know, I sometimes have made uh, this joke too at readings and, um, or like in in teaching, and I always get like the, 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 a heavy glare from from some dude in the audience when I like make the joke that like if men were the ones who got pregnant and had babies or didn't get pregnant and didn't have babies if they were the ones whose bodies were the bodies that were going through these experiences there would be no other subject for poetry (laughs) you know no other subject it would be like there would just be like sections of like you know that, you know that's how the, the 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 poetry schools would be broken up in terms of like you know natural childbirth, cesarean, mm-hmm. you know miscarriage. There would be no other subject. <laughs> just, no, because it's but because you know that, and I think that just like goes back to that that previous notion of like what is sentimental and what what is you know is it why why do we sometimes feel this hesitancy in using or exploring um the emotion as um a vehicle for intellectual leaps or poetic Mm -hmm. or lyric leaps um and you know who who has made these these the the rules if you will i think they're changing i do think they're changing but you know i've just really i've really um not struggled but i've really thought about that a lot in in my career as a writer you know entering into conversations about um you know what they call i've heard this term mommy poetics which i just like i don't enter into the conversation um Mm -hmm. you know i just it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't appeal to me as a conversation as much as it 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 does appeal to me um more and more to just sort of say like no that's i'm just going to write what i'm going to write and my poems are for maybe they're not for you that's okay that's fine, you know, um, and just going, going forward, you know, and I think that you're just like w- one of, you're a huge force, I think. And I think you're a huge, you're a, a, a bigger force than you know, in like, you're leaving behind, behind you a wake of younger women writers who are just feeling like, um, you know, I didn't, I didn't have, you know, I didn't feel that so strongly about the, the, poets ahead of me. You're you're like, Mm -hmm. you know, you're just bringing, I think, a bunch of women poets, younger women poets with you. And like,
1: it's not, I hope so. You know,
0: permission is not the word that I'm looking for. But it's something Mm -hmm. about like, you know, the realization that they have access to anything in their lives as a subject for poetry, you know?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, have you ever been to a poetry reading where a man reads beautiful, tender poems about his children? Um, and you hear the oohs and the ahs from the audience and he gets called brave and courageous and talk, you know, writing from a place that no one hears about. (laughs) I think this is from the same people who dismiss it from women every day.
0: Exactly.
1: Yeah. Um, so of course women are hesitant about our subject matter. Of course we are. We've been taught that from the very get go, um, and so, yeah, I mean, I love to think of the fact that, you know, whether or not, I don't know if I'm leaving any kind of legacy, but the idea of opening doors, you know, and just saying, here's an example of what it is to to not hold back and not be scared of someone saying that subject matter isn't worthy of a poem. Yeah it's a really hard conversation to have because
0: part of it, like part of my instinct is to like why, why we shouldn't have to be having conversations like this. Like part of mm-hmm. it is like, let's just move, you know, move forward and not, and not dwell on it and make it a thing. But it is, mm-hmm. it is, a, it is a thing. And I think mm-hmm. that if as a younger writer, if I'd heard women talking about it more and saying like, Oh, F no, you know, uh-uh, mm-hmm. that's not, that's not right. Um, mm-hmm. I think I would have, um, gotten to where i am with more ease you know and i think i also would have been able to use my voice as a critic in mm, like i say graduate workshops with mm-hmm. with um mostly men and what men would say you know i still look back and and just feel so much um shame about like keeping quiet when things were said about women's poems in my graduate school workshops mm. as a student you know like oh you know but um uh, yeah, but, yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that that's very true. I mean, I was I was lucky to have um, both Sharon Olds and Marie Howe as my teachers, you know, who were pioneers of the body and pioneers of talking about women's taboo subjects and then getting lauded for it. Um, but I also saw them, even for as successful as they were, I still saw men roll their eyes about What was marked a poem, or what was sensationalist, or what was using the body to manipulate the audience in a way that felt as if, uh, you know, uh, it was more for shock value or whatever. And I was like, this is amazing. And these women were incredible forces and still are incredible forces. Um, And yet, even at their time, you know, uh, when they were teaching, you know, when I was in graduate school there were still people that were kind of, ah, you know, which is crazy to me.
2: Um, Hey, it is Rebecca. Uh, I don't, I don't have a question, but I was wondering, or I wasn't wondering, <laughs> like, but I was <laughs> observing this conversation and like from a poetry perspective, it's one thing. And then from like a, a reader's perspective, it's like um, the idea of, you know, what it means to be a woman, a mother, to choose to have children, to choose not to have children, um, to not be able to have children. Like, all of these conversations are also so politicized mm-hmm. that, like, to talk about them with any type of real emotion, like, to have a conversation about it openly and honestly with other women and outside of, like, um, any form of ideology or politics, you know, like, even mm-hmm. abortions or like, to have conversations about that and what that means emotionally. That's like such a hot, heated space, and I feel like poets who do write about it or just entering that space is like such a revolutionary act. I mean, it's mm. a, such an act of resistance just, just to be in mm. that conversation. You know, I don't know yeah. what, you guys, what yeah. do you guys think.
1: Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. I agree.
2: Yeah, and
0: I mean, it's like who heated it, who heated that space? Yeah, you it's know, like, it's like it's what so, mm-hmm. like you can't
2: talk about the you, know, you can't talk about like. Um, you know, the emotional impact of having an abortion, because the idea of just having access to healthcare as a woman is too hot. Like you can't, you know, Uh you can't get past it.
1: Right. You know, it's very interesting that you bring that up because one of the things that I discovered was before we started trying to have a child, we were actually contemplating our life as child-free people and we're kind of excited about it. And we thought, you know what, maybe... Maybe it's okay if we don't have a kid. And I found that I was it was so much more socially acceptable for me to tell people we couldn't. We tried and we weren't able to. Then when I had earlier said, you know what, I think it's not for us and we may choose not to have children. That to me is fascinating as well. Mm-hmm. People were so, so much more on board with, oh, well, at least you tried. Then, if I were if I were to say no, we made a conscious decision not to bring a child into this world, yeah. right? Like you just you can't say that. the The way that people uh, look at you is is really bizarre. Um, so even in exploring that little thing, right, which mm-hmm. really isn't anyone's business, exactly. is still hugely political.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah.
1: Mhm. Yeah, there's just these idea
0: these ideas and these ideals that are also so unrealistic, you know. I mean, yeah, with and you know with children as well, you know, like there is my husband hardly ever feels like a shitty parent, you know, like <laughs> mm. he, all he has to do is like take my daughter to the freaking Home Depot. And everybody's like, oh, my God, you're such a great dad. <laughs> and like I con like every night I like go to sleep just thinking like, oh, maybe I'll be a slightly less shitty parent tomorrow. You know, uh-huh, like it's just uh-huh. a whole different experience of parenthood, men and women. Yeah. And my, my husband is a super duper involved parent. Um, yeah. Um, okay, I want to ask you, Ada. I, I want to stay on this conversation forever, but I want to move sorry. on and ask you, what is going on? Sorry, Thank my you. phone sucks. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Rebecca's turning into a robot beside me. I'm sorry. Those sounds. Also, is is your dog snoring in the background? I'm Off so sorry. On. No, that was Do so funny. Do you want me to move on? No, it's so charming. I feel like we just need to acknowledge it and maybe keep it, keep the acknowledgement of it on the, in the interview. Lucy? Lucy. Lily Bean. Lily. Isn't her name Lily Bean? Lily Bean. I, yeah, seriously, I will I put, mention it. I turned your, your microphone off, and I was like, I think someone's playing the didgeridoo in the
1: background. <laughs> <laughs>
0: like, There's like I a keep, foghorn. This is,
1: you, you guys, it's too funny because I keep actually trying to wake her up a little bit with my foot so she stops snoring. And then she looks right at me and snores with her eyes open. <laughs> 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 so... I think that she just so wants to be funny. on this interview. Oh um, gosh. Lily Bean has a need for public attention. Um, so, yeah. No, her snores are very present. I'm she's so sorry just, if they're interrupting anything. She's asking anything. you
0: to, like, accept her the way she is. And I saying, <laughs> yes, we do, Lily Bean. Be in the conversation <laughs> yes, however you want to be. Yes. Um, I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about how you – came to poetry like have you do you feel like you've always written poetry since you were a child or how did you arrive at at poetry
1: um i i wrote poetry probably as early as 8 um and then i wrote a lot of songs i think music was a big part of me coming into poetry um you know reading the liner notes on the back of my father's albums and um you know talking about lyrics with my stepfather um was a big part of how I came to love words, um, and learned words too. Um, and, and then I, I didn't think I really, really fell in love with it until I was 15. Uh, which was actually with the, uh, with the poem, one art by Elizabeth Bishop, which was on a test and I fell in love with it and it was on a test. Uh, and suddenly i mean everyone in the class seemed to not know what the poem was about and not really know how to talk about it and i, I for me it all just became s- so clear and i was like oh yeah i mean these are you know these are tercets and they're followed by quatrains i mean i even sort of i, I don't know what it was it, it the poem just unveiled itself to me um and then uh then i pursued theater and got my degree in drama at the university of washington and it wasn't until my junior and senior year that I ended up taking classes from Colleen uh, McElroy um, at the University of Washington in Seattle. And she kind of pulled me aside and was like, what are you going to graduate school for? And I was like, I'm going to go for theater. And she said, you know, I really think that you should go for um, for poetry, for creative writing. And she was the first person to kind of push me in that direction. And in doing so, really changed my life. Um, I took a year off in between undergraduate and graduate school, just sort of picking the schools I wanted to apply to and, and making sure my writing sample was good enough. And, um, and then finally got into NYU.
0: That's, I didn't know that you were a theater major. So was I. Yeah, that's
1: my degree. Yeah, yeah
0: I had, well, I was a double major in English and theater at the- oh, no. At uh, New Mexico State University where I graduated, but what's so weird is that I applied to the University of Washington. It was the only out- of state school I applied to and oh wow it's, I was so, a great theater program. and we would have like been there at the same time because we're the same age yeah it's so weird I was it, but I was actually not I was it was kind of heartbreaking. I was given a scholarship from like the you know like the Latina Something something organization mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I didn't get into the school. I got a scholarship, but then I wasn't accepted at the school. So I couldn't oh, go man.
1: there <laughs> I couldn't accept the scholarship. Yeah. <laughs> I want you to Yeah. Go. I, um, it I also, I think, uh, I got a scholarship and then I sort of narrowly got in. Um, but it's one of those schools that has a, it, uh, it's easier to get in if you're in state right. and much harder to get in if you're, if you're applying from out of state. I remember it, but you're not from Washington, are you? No, but my father is. Oh. Um, and so, um, and since he had joint custody, um, I And I, you know, I lived with him part of the time. I was able to so, apply. No, so actually, no, I applied as out of state. Um, I don't remember, actually. <laughs> yeah. Well,
0: it, yeah, I, I do remember, like, um, making myself feel better by reading that and being like, well, Navy yes. we only makes up 90% of people from Washington. So I'll just go to New <laughs> Mexico State and I'll be
1: just fine. <laughs> but we would have been classmates. Know, oh, we, oh, the trouble we would have gotten I know.
0: into.
1: <laughs> so, um. Before we have
0: to let you go, because I know that we have taken a lot of your time, I wondered if you had a poem to share with us. I just love to ask poets; it's one of my favorite things to ask poets I admire to share poems that have like meant so much to them, or or that they, you know, you you know, when you have a poem and you just like loved a poem that you love to share with people. Do you did you
1: bring one in? I did, and I have to say that I, ha- you know, this is sort of a common poem. But one of the reasons I wanted to bring it in is because I was at Canto Mundo. Have you ever been to Canto Mundo? No.
0: No, okay, but I know, should... I mean, you know, I know um, yeah. all those guys. Definitely go. Um, i not, no, I'm only, I'm only half. <laughs> yeah,
1: but so what? I mean, I you should know, go for half of the time. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's part of it. Like there's so many people there. I mean, you know, I'm not full Latinx. Like it's like we're all a mix, you know, and everyone who's there has their own stories and brings different things to the table. Um, so, uh, but anyway, I thought it was interesting that around that opening circle, the poem, uh, the poem, the line that was shared the most was a line from this poem. And so I thought, you know what? I'm going to read this poem. Um, This poem is called, Won't You Celebrate With Me by Lucille Clifton. Won't you celebrate with me what I have shaped into a kind of life? I had no model. Born in Babylon, both non-white and woman. What did I see to be except myself? I made it up here on this bridge between starshine and clay, my one hand holding tight my other hand. Come celebrate with me that every day something has tried to kill me and has failed. Ah oh, that poem it. is a, just a
0: killer. It is such a great poem. Isn't I think it? I'd love I really honestly love thinking about Lucille Clifton, just as a human being, writing that poem, finishing it, and she just had to know, you know, like, you know, there are these poems in the world, like, For the Anniversary of My Death, Merwin's poem, and Mm -hmm. this poem that, that are just, they will, they will always, they're classics, and I just, I just love imagining, like, her finishing this poem and going like, yep, I did it, this is, this is going to be one that people are going to be sharing with each other for years and years and years to
1: come yeah and what a what a way to be a model by saying I had no model, yes, born in Babylon, both non-white and woman, what did I see to be except myself right I yeah. mean, amazing, yeah. I know. You can find Ada Limon's
0: poem, The Raincoat, in her new book, The Carrying, out now from Milkweed Editions. This is Just to Say is produced at KUT Radio in Austin, Texas. I'm Carrie Fountain. Thanks for listening. Do you hear it? Hold on, because Rebecca can't hear it. So just let her go for a
1: second. Okay, yeah, here. Can you hear it? <laughs> <laughs> we have to be- she, she <laughs> so finds boring. she finds poetry so boring. <laughs> oh
0: I love her so much.